Here we go, episode number 47 of the Coffee with Joffrey podcast. My guest today is Charlie Francis, who is from Cornwall in the UK, back where I'm from. And we had just had a really good chat today. I wanted to get someone on to talk about um, exercise and nutrition, which she has an, a good background in both and good experience in both, uh, but aim towards what I've classed as the social athlete. And if you follow Charlie's stuff, kind of very similar mindset type of clientele that I have as well. Not necessarily um, always people like elite level athletes, people trying to be competitive, just people that want to exercise. They enjoy exercising regularly, but they also like to go out and have a beer at the weekend or a glass of wine, or they have a bit of a sweet tooth and don't want to be overly restrictive with their nutrition. Um, but you know, still want to make some gains in terms of aesthetically and just for their general health as well. So that's what I kind of class as the social athlete. And when I look at the general population, I think that's what a lot of people want. We always talk about balance and flexibility, uh, People just want to be able to live their life, but stay relatively healthy as well. So we just had a really casual conversation today and that's what I wanted it to be. No real structure. Um, I just kind of picked Charlie's brains on, you know, think how to manage your exercise, how to manage your nutrition. And then we just basically talked about some of the things that we implement and um, some of the hacks that we found have worked well. Uh, you're going to really enjoy this one. There's going to be a part two to this because... I had a list of points that I wanted to pick Charlie's brains about and we only got through about half of them. So she will be back on for a part two. But for now, this is part one. Enjoy the show. Here we go, Charlie. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hey, yeah, good. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Charlie, before we get in, because I feel like we're going to have a great podcast today, a great discussion, have a little rant here and there because I know that yeah. uh, this, this will actually go out tomorrow. So gyms in the UK are not opening, but pubs are. Uh, but before we go into that, do you want to just give yourself a little bit of an introduction to the listeners? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Charlie. Uh, I live in Cornwall in the UK. Um, I work with my partner at, we've got a, a gym, like a functional fitness type gym um, based near Newquay. Um, and we've also got a online coaching business as well. So we've got clients kind of all over the place um, with that. And then we've re recently launched some um, retreats as well. So fingers crossed travel is allowed again this year and we can run a few more of those. Yeah, they look amazing when they, they pop up on my newsfeed, the equation escapes and stuff. It looks awesome. Yeah, I mean, we've only done one so far last year, but it was so sick. Like we had the best time. Yeah, so much awesome. Fun. So, right, let's just get this out of the way already. And I, li I like the way you explained what your fitness facility was because there's been other things happening <laughs> yeah. in the past month as well. But we'll leave that one. Um, gyms not opening up. What's going on? So, yesterday the announcement in the UK was that what can open? So we've got pubs, restaurants cinemas which i can't believe <laughs> and hairdressers are allowed to open on the fourth um but gyms along with like salons and sports clubs are not allowed to open um so obviously not ideal for us but um yeah that seems, seems crazy and like i've seen a bit of an uproar from obviously i've got a lot of friends in the fitness industry back in the uk as well and you know 
like you said just before we got on, there's not anything that you can do about it now as frustrating as it is. But yeah. obviously the reasons behind it are probably, you know, the bigger picture in terms of like tax and stuff yeah. like that, getting money back into sure. the economy. But frustrating. But like, you know, I've we've been functioning in the gyms for the last must be three, three and a half weeks now. So it almost feels like back to normal for us, even though, you know, in the gym we've got maximum twelve people in the class. They're all in these little two point five meter boxes wearing masks like it actually feels normal going into a gym now and like gyms have never been so clean especially you know like functional fitness facilities they're everyone wiping down equipment normally there's like chalk and a bit of blood and all of that type of stuff yeah absolutely and now it's like it has to be immaculate and that will probably yeah. stay now you know like you you'd imagine that people will just continue to keep that level of hygiene just because they don't want to end up not having gyms again right yeah, absolutely. I think, well, hopefully people, hopefully people's hygiene will be up. I mean, things that we used to do that you would now look at and go, oh my God, I can't believe we used to do that. Like people sharing chalk buckets, you're now like, yeah, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> I don't think that'll ever be a thing again now. Yeah. And like, <laughs> there's even just like, sharing an assault bike like all just sweating on it over like a like a long chipper or something like that like that will probably happen again but there's definitely going to be uh people sterilizing and stuff before and after oh definitely for sure okay charlie one of the reasons that i wanted to get you on is because i wanted to kind of cover cover training and nutrition and obviously you know a big part of what you do is the training aspect of it with your gym and your coaching but then you do a lot of work with the nutrition side of it as well with your you know your one-to-one -one clients and things like that Mm -hmm. And I wanted to talk about like the social athlete. I've kind of termed it as that. And what is the social athlete? It's basically someone who likes, who gets enjoyment out of training and exercising, but they also want to go and have a beer or a glass of wine and not take things so seriously in the training department um, that they're, you know, at elite level and cutting things out and cutting down on their social life. So that's what it is. So let's, before we get into kind of like, dispelling some myths and bullshit around the industry like what are the important things for training that you see for like we've we've put that phase up now the social athlete like what is important i mean that literally is me entirely i am a social athlete um <laughs> so like you're saying people that aren't maybe that fussed about competing but i think it, it comes down to general health and fitness and I think for most people aesthetics as well is really important like everyone wants to look good so I think in order to get the most out of your training you need to make sure that you've got a game plan going in so obviously if you're not going to a functional fitness class or a hit class or whatever where there's a coach instructing you the whole way through if you're taking yourself into the gym you need to make sure that you're not in there for two hours faffing around and just not really getting anything productive done. It needs to all be productive work towards an end goal. Um, so that's a whole other side as well, is that your goals have to be in line with what you're doing with your training and vice versa. Um, so there's no point in going on the treadmill for an hour a day if you want to gain muscle um there's no point in just doing powerlifting with no cardio and eating loads of food if you want to lose weight so i think the knowledge around 
training is maybe not there for some people and we kind of touched on this before but how people can be lazy and act on like the dumb side as if they don't really know what they're doing when actually training is quite simple when you get into it um and finding the right thing to do for your goals and obviously what you enjoy um might be a trial and error sort of um method but once you get there it's easier than you think I think yeah I think you I think you've touched on a really good point there in terms of listen not everybody is like us and has grown up in the health and fitness industry worked in the health and fitness industry so it's okay that people go into gyms and don't necessarily know what to do and get sold on training methodologies nutrition methodologies and stuff that is all over their Instagram feed Facebook feed they get bought into that because it looks attractive. It offers like that quick fix that people like. There's no issues with that. But in this kind of time where we're at now, where uh, there's functional fitness facilities like yourself and all around the world, you know, small boutique gyms where you can go yeah. to, you don't have to pay for necessarily pay for a personal trainer or a one-to-one session now to learn the ins and outs of, you know, strength training, Olympic lifting, powerlifting. Uh, even gymnastics stuff as well. Like you can go to a facility, pay similar to price to, to what you would, maybe a, a tiny bit more than what you would go into like, you know, your local leisure center and you learn a ton from doing that. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the way that we run our classes, which is obviously the same that you guys work, um, you're basically in like a group personal training session, right? So, you're getting all of your technique, um, everything analyzed. A coach is going to try and assist you in maybe um, modifying the workout to meet your own um, like standards. Maybe if you particularly want to work on your strength, they might be able to bias the workout towards a strength workout. Um, but yeah, totally different if you're going to, like we're saying, like a leisure center circuit training class where it's literally like okay we're doing this 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 three two one go and there's there's not really much um technique training yeah. and um, that's, that's one of the things that we spoke about when obviously nathan your partner who i had on the show not long ago a good friend of mine that's one of the things we talked about just having that progressive overload built in right and just having yeah. having a plan like you said at the start having a plan that you're following that you're not just Hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with uh, just going to the gym. Like I would far rather encourage someone to go and do a circuits class and do these types of classes if, you know, if that's keeping them active. But just knowing that that might not be the best use of your time. And if you're someone who's been going to these classes for years and years and years, and like we know these people and they've not seen any improvements, whether it's aesthetically, whether in their fitness level, whether it's in anything else, then... They, you know that as soon as they step foot into a facility like yours and you go, hey, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to measure how much, uh, we're going to do a basic fitness test. We're going to measure how much you can squat. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. It's easy, right? It's easy pickings then for those yeah. people. Yeah, but it's making it simple because people overcomplicate it so much. Like we're always talking to our guys about well, we actually currently, we have a point system, like a lifestyle point system that they're all working on over lockdown, which is the last thing that people usually think about when they want to get better in the gym. But we do points for sleep, um, eating, 
what we call 80 20 so like 80 percent of the time it's like clean food and then you're 20 percent like leeway on junk food i guess um so sleep 80 20 water intake and then we call it just like moving rather than exercising so like just moving and doing something that you enjoy i think enjoyment is like such a huge part because there's no good in you going to spinning classes every day because you think it will help you lose fat and you absolutely hate it um and there's and if if you love spinning classes and maybe like even for me if i love spinning classes i could probably benefit from doing one or two spinning classes a week um but it's getting it simple i think getting the basics right and then on top of that doing something that you enjoy and as we touched on like having a plan not doing like one week of spinning one week of hit one week of circuits and then jumping into functional type fitness training um but we even see that a lot with the guys in our gym where they well we try and encourage everyone to follow our program um because obviously not to sound like we know everything but we do believe that the program that we put out will make people the fittest and strongest versions of themselves um and if people stick with the process they that is generally what they see um and yeah we've had i mean touch with not many people um but people who will jump on like an online program as you were saying like an instagram someone that they follow and they're inspired and they'll jump on their program for two weeks and then they get bored and then they jump on the next program for two weeks and then they get bored and so on and so on and so on. And they end up making no progress at all. I just, uh, like, again, this is the last time that I'll kind of reference it, but it's so important about just that, that plan and having like an end goal that you're getting to. And, you know, how many people do you work with that are stuck in that mindset where they're just, using exercise as a way of, uh, you know, out training a poor diet. Uh, like it's definitely something that I've done for years and years and years. But if you're someone who um, does like to go out at the weekend and have a few drinks and isn't overly restricted with their food, maybe you take away a couple of times a week, maybe you've got a bit of a sweet tooth as well. As soon as you stop, if you're in the mindset where you're, you're always thinking about calories and, you know, this is something that I do a lot of with movement wins, but I don't do it for the purpose of, hey, if you do this much exercise, you can eat this. The whole purpose behind me tracking calories is literally just to make sure that you've done it. But if you get into this position where you're not, you're not basing your workout on how many calories you burn and you're basing it on um, you know, getting stronger each week or improving yeah. your time on the assault bike and you, you take that byproduct of burning calories but keep the main focus on strength, like life is so much better then. You're less yeah, stressed about you know, actually exercising. It becomes more fun. If things Mm. become more fun, then you're more likely to kind of keep up that habit. Yeah. And I think that's where like the enjoyment comes into it so much. Like I'm always saying to all of my clients, like, let me know if there's anything that you don't enjoy, because we're talking about being a social athlete. Like if you don't have any aspirations of competing in any sports, but you just want to be fit and healthy, and you absolutely hate doing something, um, maybe it's within the functional fitness type of stuff that we program, 
then I will reduce the amount that I put that thing in your program. Completely different if we're talking about competitive athletes. Like if you're a competitive athlete and you hate muscle ups, you can't expect to just not do them and go to a comp and then just smash them out. Um, but when we're talking more on a social level, I think the enjoyment is such a huge thing because as you were saying, if you enjoy what you do and your focus isn't solely, I'm going to go to the gym and kill myself just so I can lose a bit of fat, even, even though I hate it, um, you're soon going to fall off the wagon for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's, let's move this on to more of the nutrition side of it as well, because this is probably where people find it more difficult. I feel like people, uh, you know, the social athlete doesn't mind getting into the gym three, four, five times a week and, you know, um, working as hard as they can and, and smashing themselves or even just making sure they get there consistently. But the nutrition we know is where people can undo a lot of their hard work. What's kind of like the first stance that you take on nutrition, perhaps when you're working with members of your gym or a client, like where does that journey start in terms of the education of getting them to a position where they can manage their own nutrition? Mm. So we do, and we do try and start most people, um, even if it's just for a short period of time, uh, tracking their macros just because it helps them learn so much about the food that they're putting in their mouth. So we might not even start with a goal of necessarily losing weight. It might just be, okay, we're just going to try and find your maintenance calories. Um, and with that, you are going to be eating X amount of protein, fats and carbs. You need to, you know how it is with a scan barcode <laughs> or weigh and measure everything you eat and put it in and the amount of messages I receive from people who are like oh my god I didn't realize that avocado was a fat and I'm thinking of course avocado is a fat but some people don't understand that and they don't understand nutrition I mean obviously in the UK I don't know if it's any better now but nutrition's not taught in school at all so if you leave school and you've got no nutrition background or you've not gone into fitness and health or you've not got parents who are kind of clued up on nutrition of course you're going to have no idea and I think just by tracking macros even if you do just do it for three months is hugely beneficial long term because even if you then decide to go forward and not track macros I mean I personally don't track macros now after maybe tracking my macros for probably seven years non-stop um I could look at a plate of food and pretty much tell you the macros of the entire plate um most of the time and it's just helped my portion control and that will be something that stays with me forever and I think even if you are the social athlete that can be a hugely beneficial thing for you to learn and keep with you long term yeah, like you're, you're at a stage now and I'm very similar. Like I've actually gone back to logging my macros like last week or, you know, logging my food in my fitness pal. And I'm sure you'd probably be the same. Like if you're in a position where you're like, right, you know what? I do want to lose some body fat. I do want to get in better shape. There's nothing better to do than tracking your food. And like, mm -hmm. it's so frustrating and you must get this all the time as well. Like working with people who come to you and they want to lose weight and they're, maybe they're training well and they, they just want that extra help. And like, I can't help but compare it to uh, imagine like your car, you take it to mechanics 
and then you pull up in there and you lock the door and make sure the bonnet's open. You go, hey, will you fix my car? And then they go, cool, can I open up the hood? You go, no, no, sorry, can't do that. All right, can I get into the car? No, no, you can't get into the car. That's how I feel when someone asks me about nutrition. They go, oh, can you help me? You know, I want to improve my nutrition. I go, cool, all right, can you track your food for me for a week? Ah, oh, no, it's just too hard, you know. I never know which option to put and like you're laughing now and you, I know exactly, <laughs> you know exactly what it's like. I'm just going, exactly. listen, this is literally the key. And this is probably the hardest bit of the nutrition getting you to log because once you come out the other side of this, you'll want to continue for the next weeks, months, because you would learn so much through that process. Then it actually becomes easy. Then like the hardest bit for, for yeah. my your position is going, just log your food. And don't miss out the weekends because that's when I want to see your calories, you know, like getting the yeah. graphs Sunday to Thursday or Monday to Friday. And then the weekends is, oh, do I have to log weekends? Well, yeah, because that's probably where you're going wrong in terms of your nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even coming back to that 80-20, so we do the 80-20 rule for everyone, regardless of whether they're following macros or not. If you were to take your seven days in the week and then two of those days are just off plan, eat what you want, that's a much higher percentage. I'm rubbish at maths, but two days out of seven is a much higher percentage than your 20%. And when we're talking macros, my God, like, you know, to lose weight, you need a X amount deficit. So eating less calories, um, than you need every day in order to burn fat and you can so easily just by having like a little bit extra junk food on the weekend completely remove that entire week's deficit and then they're like why don't I lose any weight and you're like well yeah like I've just got to the point now where like I do want to help more people with their nutrition but I've just I've turned myself off to when someone just throws out a blanket statement like oh I don't eat that much or, you know, you know, I hardly, I hardly snack or I hardly drink. And I like, that doesn't actually register with me anymore because I'm like, but unless I see it like numbers and unless I know that you're doing it properly, like I can't give you any help because there's just so much discrepancies between someone saying, I don't eat that much. And they yeah. go, ah, oh, I don't eat that much. I don't know why I'm not losing weight. And you know, they if you went even deeper into that, you could find that there's some metabolism damage that's happened over years and years of restrictive eating, but yeah, more or less it's down to that they are actually eating more than what they think they are. Yeah, for sure. I think both with the training side and the nutrition side, you've got to be honest with yourself. And if you're working with a coach, you've got to be honest with your coach if you want to achieve the best results like do you know know. my 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 biggest breakthrough with food logging was about probably uh, about three and a half four years ago I was logging before then but kind of like semi-interested in it and I remember Mm -hmm. being like really into it and working with it with some of my clients and I went to Dublin for a weekend I can't remember if I've told this story on the podcast before with a few of the boys and I I thought I woke up after the Saturday on the Sunday like really hung over and I thought you know what I'm gonna attempt to log what I had yesterday and it was like eight and a half thousand calories. It was like full English breakfast, like Nando's of all the trimmings, you know, like 16 or 17 pints of Guinness, you know, more beers, more vodka. Like it was just like ridiculous. I was thinking, do you know what? It's probably not too far off if I was going to go out on like a, you know, a Friday or a Saturday at home. So yeah. 
so easy to add up those calories. Now, obviously not everybody drinks in excess like I do, but it just, food again is just another one that can get out of control. Oh, absolutely. So easily. And just when you don't track things, you don't, you don't, you just don't understand how many calories can actually be in some food. Like, yeah. it is let's, ridiculous let's relate this back to what this podcast is about for the social athlete and let's stay on this food logging thing just so people know that we're serious about this and how much mm. it can really help what are the some what are the, some of the things that you come up against with um that will stop someone from tracking so we've, we've given a couple of examples of like just not knowing what to do mm-hmm. uh, maybe not knowing what their targets and things like that are what other barriers do you come up against when when someone doesn't want to log their food Uh, One of the biggest ones I think is people saying that it takes too much time to weigh and measure everything out. And I do get that, like with some meals, for example, if you were going to make a chili from scratch, so all the ingredients yourself, and then you were making it to serve four people and you needed to portion control it all out. Yes, that does take time. And I do get like, it's a bit of a ball lake, but my argument would be like on the section of my fitness pal, you can log it as a recipe and the next time you make it, it's there. And I think that is the main, my would be my response to people that say they don't have time. I'm like, I'm not gonna take that away from you that it is, super time consuming to start with like just like everything when you start to get the hang of doing something new it is really time consuming and you're probably gonna find it quite tough but once you get into the hang of it and you find the foods that work and fit into your day and everything works out so that your calories line up at the end and your macros are right um, and you log these recipes that does take a while but then it's there for next time then then it is easy yeah um, but that's definitely the main barrier that people have when a little, they- a little my fitness pal hack that i've used quite a lot recently with clients who are who are just getting into tracking so for me it's not about them being as accurate as they can listen i want to know if you had a burger or you had a salad i want to know if you had five pints or if you had a glass of wine like yeah exactly that so i'll just say on like a chili or a bolognese for example uh, you know, because I haven't got a family to, that I have to cook for, so I get that. I just say, hey, just type in home-cooked chili, and my fitness mm-hmm. pal comes up with loads of them. And yeah, as, long, yeah. as long as you can give them an idea of, you know, it's probably going to be about 400 calories, the macros is probably going to look like this. Just put it in, like, I don't care now. Yeah. But maybe when we're trying to get you down to, like, less than 15% body fat, that we might have to measure things out. But you're going to be in the right frame of mind to do that then. For now, yeah. just... I just need to know like what, what is going in your mouth. It doesn't need yeah, to be that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's that accountability as well, isn't it? It's even if they are logging it and maybe that chili's not exact, it, they're still putting it in. So then two hours later when they finish their dinner and they eat a tub of ice cream, they're still going to put it in because it's that yeah. accountability. It's not like, oh, it's all just too hard to put in, so I just won't even bother. So like we're saying, it's better to log something than it is to log nothing. Yeah. And just uh, relating it back to the social athlete again, like you said at the start, it's not like you're not logging your food now. Like I go through long periods of the year without logging my food because we've learned from the process of doing it. So I think that's what we're trying to say for 
people who want to be social athletes who, who you know, want to stay relatively lean, but mm. still want to go out and enjoy them, their social life and their food and their desserts and stuff like that. Just go through a process of logging your food for a month and you'll, you'll probably yeah. learn and you'll be able to, like you said, eyeball and guesstimate things. And, you know, if you have a, a really high calorie breakfast and you know for a fact it's a high calorie breakfast, then, you know, guess what? Your lunch is going to be lower. Your dinner is going to be lower calories from there. So I think that will make sense. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's lead into this one then. Um, I'm just going to like throw things out at you because I think it's just good to get your view on it. Um, carbs are not the enemy, right? Absolutely not, no. <laughs> carbs are the best, right? The tastiest, the, the, deepest, the easiest to get hold of. Uh, I think they make up every meal as well. I've got to have a carb in every meal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean when we bring it down to training obviously carbs are the main fuel source for your training um and then a lot of things that i talk about with my clients is carbs help to reduce your cortisol levels so the stress that you accumulate in your body and like maybe for people that don't quite understand like Training is stress on your body. Like when you train, that is stress on your body. And to compensate that and to reduce the stress down, which is in turn going to reduce your inflammation, which is in turn going to help your recovery, is to eat carbs. So if you eat the carbs, cortisol is reduced, inflammation is reduced, and then recovery is increased. So when people drop their carbs down and then they're like, Oh my God, I feel like crap all the time and I'm not recovering. And maybe they're like super bloated. And then maybe they start getting injuries because of inflammation in their joints. You're like carbs, just eat the carbs. Yeah. It's such an, uh, like from a nutrition aspect, like any coaches that are going low carb or, you know, promoting diets, that are, you know, keto and things like that. It's such an easy win. Like it's such mm. an easy way out. Like yeah. that's one of like you could get someone to go like low carb or you get them to track their food. And both of those things, one is harder to do than the other in terms of like manually putting in my fitness pal. Someone yeah. would rather go, oh, I'm, I'm not eating carbs now, I'm not eating bread. Both will yield. Like if you're someone who's not been paying attention to your food, your nutrition for a little while, you'll get pretty instant results just from that. Mm. Like going low carb. Like if you think about the typical Western diet, it's made up of like 80% carbs if you were going to take yeah. So you, when you ask someone to eat less carbs, like they're hardly eating anything. <laughs> so it's just like, it's an easy yeah. thing. But then yeah. it's what happens after that, right? It's how does that build into your life? You're not going to not eat carbs for the rest of your life. I mean, you might, but you're going to be grumpy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> carbs definitely make me more happy. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like you say, the long term is... I will often say that to people about their diet. They'll come to me and say, oh, I'm doing this, um, this new diet where I'm eating X, Y, and Z, whatever it is, or I've reduced my carbs. And I say, do you think that you can do that forever? And they're like, no. And I say, well, don't expect your results to last forever then because how, how is it going to happen that you then just go back to eating normal and like your new nice lean body will stay there? It definitely won't. Yeah. And uh, like, it's so common as well. And, you know, like if, if I 
working with someone and you know we find like that balance within their macros and they start seeing some changes and then they're like Joff you know I want to ramp up a little bit you know I'm enjoying the process I do want to lose a bit more body fat like I will take them through that process of going lower carb but the conversation around it won't just be like hey I'm going to cut your carbs it'll be like hey let your husband know that you're going to be a little bit more tired a little little bit more drained you know because you're you you've uh, eating less carbohydrates because your mood is going to be affected stress levels like you've already mentioned you know you're training you're not going to be PRing in the gym so mm-hmm. you know don't be afraid if or don't be upset if someone beats you who you normally beat in a workout all those other things that go around it and then like they go through that process of going lower carb and a lot of people come out the other side of it and go yeah I am leaner that's great but then the next step isn't lower carb again because that isn't going to get better results the next step is actually hey, let's increase your carbohydrates so your training improves. Yeah, sure. And then they can train harder in the gym, metabolism increases, muscle mass increases, and then we all know that more muscle increases metabolism anyway, so then you'll end up losing more fat. So kind of like what you would describe as like a reverse diet, I guess. Um, but yeah. That's interesting. A whole just, other topic. <laughs> Well, no, just touch touch on that just very briefly in terms of like metabolism and obviously like more muscle. Like one of the reasons we try and eat more protein is to build muscle for metabolism. Yeah, sure. So I think it's definitely a scarier topic for women than it is for men. Um, But it's a conversation that I have with a lot of women that I coach in that I try and explain to them that the more muscle mass that you have on your body your metabolism will then be higher most people don't quite understand what that means but basically if you just stood around doing nothing all day and I'm here 70 kilos and I've got um I don't know say 60 kilos of lean muscle mass on me and then I've got my friend who's also 70 kilos and they've got 50 kilos of lean muscle mass on them if we both just lived the same day, not even necessarily went to the gym, just because I've got more muscle mass, I'm going to burn a lot more calories just being, just because I've got more muscle. So when we talk about that increased metabolism, that's what we're referring to really. So that is why, as you're saying, we want to make sure we're having enough protein in the diet so that we can gain the muscle and then we can increase the metabolism, which in turn will obviously make you lose more fat. So more muscle, less fat, which is always the goal. Yeah. And this is just listening to you there. It's just struck a point there. Like if you're listening listening to this one and you haven't turned it off because we're saying like words like protein and fats and macros and you still don't have a clue like we're talking to you like you're the type of person who's listening to this because you probably want to see some changes like we're giving you all the advice now to go and do it but everything is about action right execution yeah adherence to it like go and do it like we're both you know charlie's in cornwall i'm here in dubai like my friend Mickey, who I've had on before, is in Australia. Like We're all talking about the same thing and, and pushing the same message. So if you're not doing it, do it. Um, okay, let's go with... Charlie, I've literally just written a load of points down. We're not going to go for too much longer, I promise. But um, okay, like building onto that then, endless amounts of cardio. I know you kind of touched on that a little bit in the beginning, but anything around that? Yeah, sure. So... 
I think if we maybe like link it in with what we've just spoken about, if the goal for health and fitness and your overall aesthetics, so how you look, um, is going to be, as people describe it as being more toned or more lean, um, and you want to have a little bit of muscle mass and less fat, then going and doing loads and loads of cardio is not going to help you gain muscle mass. Therefore, you might end up, how I always describe it is like skinny fat is when you've got these people that maybe look quite lean and look like they're not actually holding a lot of fat but because they're holding no muscle mass at all. They don't have the look that they want where they've got like nice toned arms or toned legs. Um, and that's because they've obviously like running on a treadmill arguably yes probably will gain a little bit of muscle in your legs but nothing comparable to if you go and squat heavy in the gym um and when we come back to metabolism as we've just spoken about obviously more muscle mass will accumulate less fat um and give you that more toned lean look that most people are after yeah you can eat more right if you have more muscle you can eat more and that's exactly. what i always i always say like you know like you see athletes who are like eating donuts and stuff after their, after their competitions. And you're thinking like, how is that guy got a six pack? Like he eats a donut every week and I don't do that because he's earned it in terms of like, he's burning the energy just through having muscle there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at um, like Olympic level athletes that train for hours and hours a day. Yes, they train for hours a day. So they are burning lots of calories, but because they are like absolutely jacked, like they have so much muscle mass, they will burn 10,000 calories a day, just easy. So yeah. yeah like Michael Phelps, and, that Michael Phelps diet was like when he got won all those gold medals was like 10,000 calories a day. It was, wasn't it? And he was having to eat, he was having to eat junk food in order to get that amount of calories in. Cause there's no way you could eat that with clean food. Yeah. Charlie, last one that I want to bring up. I think it's quite a funny one because you, you must have seen this all over the internet as well. Uh, booty bands. Yeah. <laughs> and again, this ties into like, we've just talked about strength training and just one of my like real pet hates these days is like seeing workouts and there is some relevance to having, for anybody that doesn't know, booty bands are like the resistance bands that you can get. You know, you can get the bigger ones, the smaller ones that just go around like the top of your knees and stuff. Uh, you know, influencers fitness influencers pushing like 40 minute workouts with glute bands like particularly over lockdown as well like because obviously it's so accessible as i always say i'm happy that someone's doing something but don't get sold on these things you know these these women that are doing this and i'm sure there's guys doing it as well like i don't want to yeah um but th these people who are doing it they're like 80% of their workout, let's go back to that 80-20 rule, 80% of their workout is like squatting and deadlifting and lifting heavy weights. Yeah, sure. I mean, I do, like, I have a glute program that, um, like, lots of people follow, and it's just like a little add-on program um, that you can do alongside your normal training. And I do love a glute band. I like them for activation, and I like them for... A little bit of accessory work on top of the main kind of um, heavy lifts that we do but 
if you say you wanted to get bigger shoulders and you were like, okay, you're going to do like 200 band pull aparts a day and your shoulders are going to get absolutely jacked. You'd be like, of course they're not. You would do like heavy strip press or dumbbell press or whatever else. And to then put that onto glutes and lower body, I mean, not to mention your glutes are the biggest muscle in your body. So in order to get them to like, really be worked you're going to have to put some work through them um, and how obviously building muscle works is that you need to break down the muscle fibers so that, that then the muscle repairs comes back stronger and then we get that hypertrophy where the muscle is bigger and doing the glute band work yes is great for activation like i love them for activation um but they're not going to get you a bum like Kim Kardashian no way <laughs> so definitely I think like heavy squats heavy deadlifts um love hip thrusts like barbell hip thrusts um any form of lunge like a walking lunge reverse lunge and then step ups actually include loads of step up um like a weighted step up type movement in all of the workouts that I program and like that's going to get the best results, depending what your goal is in working your glutes, obviously. But for most people, it is going to be to get a better bum. Um, so you want to be working a variety of different rep ranges. <laughs> yeah, and step-ups is an easy one to do at home as well, right? Because most people have got stairs in the house that so they could do that. Yeah, for sure. And something we've been adding in, in obviously the at-home program while we've been closed at the gym, has been tempo work. So that slow controlled eccentric phase, which is the lowering down phase of a, of a movement, whether you're doing that with a deadlift, a squat, a lunge, um, all of those movements can be done with a relatively light weight or just a random object in the house, made slower are gonna be 10 times harder and it's gonna achieve the same effect as when we're actually loading up a heavy barbell in the gym and doing those reps really quickly so there's still so much that you can do at home yeah and i think this wasn't to bash your your glute program like i actually use the glute bands a lot as well like for oh yeah things like that um, it's an entire workout with a glute yeah. band i get it like, like theory behind that as well when you know yeah you know what you're doing so I'll, I'll let you have that one. <laughs> Darlie, I feel like we could, um, listen, I've literally got like six other points here. So maybe I'll get you on for another show and we'll just, yeah, sure. That is fun. Just talking and clearing up some myths and that type of stuff. So we'll get you on again. Yeah. Awesome. Charlie, where can, uh, people find you? Um, uh, so my main, um, kind of source of contact would be my Instagram, Charlie Francis fitness. Um, and then as I mentioned, we've got our main brand is equation. So we've got equation fitness, equation training and equation escapes. Oh, amazing. I'll make sure that I tag them in the show notes as well, but thank you very much for coming on. Thank you so much.